of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, the title of my sermon this morning is How Did a Nice Jewish Boy from Nazareth End Up on a Cross Anyway? It's a question a lot of people ask every year when Easter rolls around, and it's one that often goes unanswered. I mean, after all, he was, he was such a nice guy. Why would anyone want to kill him? Now, that's a different question from asking the question of what it was like. If you want to know what it was like, what it meant to be crucified or to be scourged or to witness the casual cruelty of Roman soldiers, I recommend the movie The Passion of the Christ. In fact, I recommend that movie as part of your Holy Week observance and your Holy Week discipline. If you have not seen it in all the years since it's been out, you should. It is an amazing, realistic depiction of the death, of what death on the cross was actually like. And for modern people like us who who really don't want to think about the reality and the horror of the crucifixion, for people like us who, who don't even want to see a crucifix, it's a necessary visual corrective and an emotional one. We need to know these things, and we need to know them deep in our bones. But the movie doesn't completely answer that question about why in the world anyone would want to kill a nice Jewish boy who just talked about peace and justice and love and otherwise went around healing people. And that's an important question. Most of us at one time or another in our lives have wondered what in the world Jesus had done to make people so angry that they wanted to kill him. So this morning I have five reasons why someone might have wanted to kill him. Now, some of these reasons are going to require that we think a little bit different than 21st century Americans, because 21st century Americans tend to think that what I do is my business and it doesn't have any effect on anyone else. But we need to learn and hear what Jesus said and did with the eyes of the people who were around him. And then if we do that, we'll begin to understand what was really going on. So, five reasons. The first thing is that the Jews of Jesus' day were desperately hoping and praying that God would send a Messiah to them who would free them from Roman occupation. The Jews knew that they were God's chosen people. They were the people that God had expected that to make them known to all the world, and they also knew that they had failed in that mission. Part of the reason they knew this is because they were occupied by a Roman military force instead of being ruled by a descendant of David. The only way that God would send the Messiah was if Jews purified the nation by being faithful to the law and to the commandments. That meant everyone. No exceptions. 
One person being unfaithful meant that the entire community was unfaithful and therefore condemned to more Roman occupation. <clears throat> so in the minds of a lot of people, when Jesus ate with tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners and talked to people who weren't Jews as though they actually belonged to God, he was not being a good Jew. And he was breaking the law. And Jesus' contemporaries believe in a world where what we do as individuals actually affects the entire community and the community's relationship with God. So many of them, especially the most religious among them, would have seen the behavior of Jesus as a threat to the nation's future. Item number two, Jesus was blasphemous. Now, to be a blasphemer is not trivial. It is an offense against God and against the entire community. So what does it mean to be a blasphemer? It means to claim the authority of God for oneself or another human being, or to say something that is untrue of God. One person who was blasphemous could pollute the whole people of God. And Jesus said things like, I and the Father are one. That was claiming to be God. He said he was the Son of God, otherwise known as the Messiah. That was blasphemy. And Jesus regularly said things like, your sins are forgiven. That claims the authority of God, too. Only God could forgive sins. And his blasphemy was risking angering God. And if God got angry, everyone would suffer. And the true Messiah would never come. The blasphemous claims that Jesus made would have attracted lots of anger and hostility. Third, Jesus was not cuddly. He was actually pretty fierce. He wasn't some sweet, milquetoast boy from Nazareth. He had come to announce the kingdom of God breaking forth in the world, and he was bringing it, and it was time to get on board. If somebody said to Jesus, you know, I, I just got married, and, and you know the law requires that I spend some time at home with my wife, maybe after that I'll, I'll get on board with this whole kingdom thing. Or if someone come and came and said, I have to wait, my parents are elderly and they're dying, and I have to bury my parents, and then after I've done all the things I'm supposed to do to mourn them properly, then, then maybe... I'll get on board with this kingdom thing. And Jesus would look at them and he'd say, you get on board now, or you don't get on board at all. Your first allegiance is to the God, and there is no place in any of this for half-heartedness. The kingdom waited for no one, and Jesus was not cuddly. He called people sinners and told them that they were faithless. He said, imagine this. He said, if you call your brother a fool, you may as well have murdered him. 
we actually believe that? How many of us have called a brother or a sister, our neighbor or a public figure that we didn't particularly like a fool? How many of us have called other people names that did not acknowledge their dignity as children of God? How warm and fuzzy would those words of Jesus feel if we take them seriously and look at our propensity to call other people terrible names? There are lots more examples that I could give, but I can promise you that the Jesus that we meet in the Gospels was not all warm and fuzzy. He was a lot more than that sweet Jewish boy from Nazareth. He was a rabbi with real passion about his message, and his message was not intended to leave anyone in doubt about his point. He wanted people to come into the kingdom. Fourth, Everyone was waiting for the Messiah. Things were so bad in Jerusalem that everybody knew that the Messiah had to come soon. And the people were getting restless and they were tired of waiting. Several false messiahs had already come and caused riots and all sorts of factions and unrest in the city. And apparently, from the accounts we have, Jesus was causing a bigger commotion than any of them put together. You know, six days before he rode into Jerusalem, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. There were lots of witnesses. No one was disputing it. But the news passed through Jerusalem like wildfire. Everyone wanted to see the man who could raise people from the dead. And then, then there was the way that he arrived in the city of David. When Jesus came into Jerusalem, he was riding a donkey, just like David and Solomon had ridden donkeys into the city. He rode in like a king, and the crowds were raving branches and honoring Jesus like he was God. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And worse, they shouted, Hosanna. Hosanna, Hosanna, the Hebrew word for save us, Lord. And they called him the son of David. The people were really beginning to think that he might be the Messiah. And they were at a fever pitch. What were they going to do? How were they going to deal with the, with the unrest with the tension, with the excitement. And then, just to sort of top it all off, he goes into the temple and he knocks over all the tables of the money changers and he lets the animals go free and he calls the temple his father's house. And the money changers were furious and the priests were furious and the people were in an uproar and they were screaming his name and they were following him everywhere. Without a doubt, what Jesus said, the way he arrived in Jerusalem, the way he stirred up the crowds was making a lot of people very nervous. And that leads me to the fifth and last reason 
And it's an extremely practical reason why Jesus was killed. The Romans really, really hated civil unrest. Part of the reason there was a Pax Romana, a peace of Rome, in the empire was because they ruthlessly suppressed any hint of civil unrest. When faced with civil unrest, the Romans had a long history of brutally executing not just the leader, but anywhere to several dozen or several hundred, hundred of his potential followers. It was, it was all about teaching people a lesson. So the priests and the Jewish leaders met at the Sanhedrin. What, what are we going to do? The city is on edge. The people are ready to riot and to declare Jesus their king. The Romans also didn't co tolerate you naming your only king. If we leave him alone, the people are going to believe him. And the Romans are going to come in and they're going to take our land and our lives and everything else. One of them, the smart one, the high priest, Caiaphas, says, you know, it really would be better if one man died than that we lose the whole nation. Now, if the Jews had been able to administer their own justice, Jesus would have already been stoned to death. He had said enough blasphemous and disturbing things that religious law would have made that easy. So from the standpoint of the law of Moses, there was no reason why he shouldn't die. But the Romans were the only ones who could, who could do capital punishment. So they took Jesus to Pilate, and they, char they charged him with inciting civil unrest. Now the one thing Ro Pilate knew was that Roman governors who couldn't keep peace in their provinces ended up disgraced, and Pilate really couldn't afford the trouble. It didn't really matter whether he thought this particular Jew was guilty or not. The people were unruly, they were difficult, and their leaders wanted Jesus gone so that they could restore the peace. It wasn't really that hard a decision. And so that's the story of how a nice Jewish carpenter from Nazareth managed to get himself executed in one of the most horrific ways imaginable. Bloodied, beaten, and nailed to a cross. But there's tremendous irony in it. You know, Caiaphas didn't really understand what he said or how right he actually was. For the sake of the Jews, for the sake of the whole world, it was better that one man die than that the whole world perish. And because of that, one man died a terrible death. And the entire world would be saved. And it is that faith, that conviction, that we celebrate on this day. Amen.